Hey babies, it's it's Chapo. We've made it. It's 2020. It's a new year. It's a new decade. We are have returned from our potting sabbatical. We're back in good health and high spirits. Uh, it's me, Will, and I'm here with Virgil, Matt, and Amber to help hey. you ring in officially our first episode of this new decade. The new well, actually, uh, the oh. shut the yeah. fuck up. If, feels, and if you're even any of you are even no thinking about yeah. saying 2021 is the start of the new yeah, decade, yeah, that's, the, that's technically the male version of of the vulva girl who says actually being vulva when you need vagina. No, no one cares. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, I'll, let me just stop you dead in your tracks there before you even think about it. It's 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 the new roaring twenties, and it's uh. I got to say, uh, started off with a bang. I think I'd just like to uh, acknowledge uh, at the top of the show the sort of, I don't know, pitch perfect or some might say too on the nose way that this decade has ended. And by that, I mean, on December 31st, uh, dueling news stories of number one, the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad being looted and ransacked by a militia we were up until like a week ago paying to uh, suppress other groups in Iraq, uh, you know, it, it's something a little bit on the nose when the very center of America's biggest imperial project of largest U.S. embassy in the world is uh, being looted. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got in trouble for it, but still going to say I still love to see it. Sorry. Uh, yeah. But those guys, those guys who looted the embassy, they're members of a brutal Iranian backed militia, like you said, that we were supporting against ISIS, who who have committed crimes against Iraqi civilians. Oh, right. Whereas the people inside the embassy were just there to uh, help them, I just, suppose. We're helping. We've been yeah. helping. No, also, I thought that embassy has amazing swag. Yeah, I mean, come on. The photo of the guy... I'm sorry. Yes, please, please inform me of the context, but I'm sorry. The photo of the dudes just holding the fucking U.S. embassy seal in the street. It's sorry. Just, it's, it's just a I like thing. it. It's, a, it's just a perfect... It's, it's just an insane. image, just okay. symbolically. All right, it's time to go. This is like this is your uh, you're at a party and like they put on you know metal machine music <laughs> that they're giving you a message get the fuck out. It's um, not quite the red flag over the Reichstag, but it does look cool. Um, but it it is good. This is as, again according to Trump the anti Benghazi <laughs> folks. It was the opposite of Benghazi. We should have used. They anti- built an embassy, okay? <laughs> if Obama were smart, he would have used anti Benghazi during Benghazi. <laughs> <laughs> They would have they would have put yeah ships loaded with anti-Benghazi dispersed all over the city. Um, so yeah, that, uh, yeah, things in Iraq uh, going great. Um, like I said, the biggest U.S. embassy in the world currently being looted. Oops, oops, owned. I thought uh, they were respecting us again in the world. What the hell? Um, and then uh, number two, uh, closing up the decade. Um, Australia just. On God? fire. Not a country like, anymore. Like not even habitable by human beings anymore. If it ever and, was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that um, terrifying. Don't know what to say about it other than, you know, we, we have uh, many, many friends of the podcast and many listeners in Australia. It's just, it's just Matt Brady. <laughs> <laughs> just say Matt Brady. <laughs> I, just, I just I hope he's okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's far enough away. But, you know, we're talking about a, you know, a, a portion of that country that's, I don't know. I'm just going to say three times the size of the United States um, and Antarctica <laughs> put together. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, like their like, whole community is just pushed to the beach awaiting like a Dunkirk-style evacuation from these uh, brush fires. And everywhere else in the country, it's 120 degrees outside. Yeah. So. 
Well, I think it's important that we give our listeners some scientific context for this, you know, pretty important story. When it's winter here in the northern hemisphere, <laughs> it's summer in the southern hemisphere, which means when they have Christmas, it's hot. Mm. That, is, that just seems sick. I don't honestly. believe it. That's believe wrong. It. That sounds like that sounds like a made up. That sounds like a Snapple fact to me. <laughs> no, it's true. Well, call anyway. them up. Well, you know, like if 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 you're in Australia, um, just like I said, consider leaving the country. I mean, I mean, even if it isn't on fire. Uh, yeah, we'll welcome you to. Uh, we we'll have our own uh, uh, detention centers for you, <laughs> which you guys love. You guys love detention centers for refugees. <laughs> Stat- we'll, we'll Staten fill- Island will not yeah. be for we'll fill Australians them with, with spiders and poisonous snakes, so you feel at home. Yeah. Now let's just yeah let's just turn Seattle into what is it called Naruto or whatever that, <laughs> Naruto that island, Naruto the island they put everybody on who tries to come to Australia yeah no yeah it's called it's called Naru it's called Naru it's called Naruto, uh, it's called Naruto man. Naruto yeah yeah, yeah. Naruto. Um, so and anyway, Staten Island will be ours so yeah um, the decade is off to shall we shall we say a highly symbolic start mm-hmm. um, but we're on the other all, we're leaving all that in the last decade <laughs> no, Australia fires last decade. Symbolism, we're done with it. On the other hand, though, um, another thing that we're kicking off uh, this year and the decade with is Q4 Bernie Sanders fundraising totals blow the horn of victory. Uh, Edit edit in a real sound effect there. But uh, blow the horn of victory. Uh, Bernie, in this last, uh, you know, at the deadline filing, what did he raise? Something like $34 million. $36 million. $36 million. Tens of millions of dollars more than anyone else in the Democratic primary. And I, I believe the single most amount of money raised in a quarter uh, ever by any candidate. My money, uh, I, I don't think it's uh, too much to say, is uh, real good right now. Uh, 34.5. Nice. 34.5. Versus Pete's 26. Dollars. Which he, <laughs> which he got by having rubber chicken fundraisers twice a day, apparently. Uh, he's just been on the grind begging every local rich dickhead to cut a check to him uh and then biden 22 million he's 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 uh up yeah, i mean he's up from where up he was one, which is how you know they're spinning it they're great yeah he gets graded on a curve no they, they, <laughs> and then literally everything including like speaking in complete sentences His entire that's, career that's great joe that's a good job <laughs> we're all proud of you joe all right i just want to uh uh, former Chapel guest, guest uh, Matthew uh, Sitman, uh, pointed this out this morning. And I said, these are two New York Times uh, headlines about this fundraising hall. And I just, uh, like, let, let's just notice uh, how these two stories are framed. The first one, Bernie Sanders says he raised $34.5 million in the fourth quarter. Mr. Sanders' total is the largest three-month haul disclosed by any Democratic candidate so far, but he trailed President Trump, whose campaign reported raising $46 million in the quarter. Fucking loser. Get the fuck out of here, okay. Bernie. How are you going to compete against that? That's almost $10 million less, you fucking idiot. But what they don't specify was the $44 million. Was that combined, general, and primary, or was that just for the primary? Because I, I, I would oh, wait, it wasn't, almost certainly believe it's the former. Oh, wait, with Bernie, it's not, it's not the most amount of money raised, but it's the most... Donations of any candidate in history. Uh, yeah, over five million. Yeah, over five, over five million. million individual donations. Over, I think. No, no, it's five million donations. Something yes. like one point eight individual individual donors. Yes, and five individual. Five, oh, yes, five, five million discrete actual donations. donations. Yeah. yeah. So that that's, and that's I, I would I would guess uh, unless otherwise specify that ninety nine percent of that is earmarked for the primary. All right. Here, so that was the way they framed uh, Bernie Sanders raising thirty four point five million, which is to say he's trailing Donald Trump. Pete Buttigieg. Okay, this is Pete Buttigieg. 
Pete Buttigieg's campaign says it raised $24.7 million in the fourth quarter. Mr. Buttigieg, who appears in a strong position in Iowa <laughs> with a month until the caucuses, continues to show fundraising strength. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, All right. And then I just want to, I want to just shout out another one of these um, uh, rather choice reactions to uh, Bernard's huge, just incredibly secure bag. This comes... <laughs> Comes courtesy of our old friend Bill Schur. You might remember Bill Schur as the guy who probably sold more copies of our book than Virgil Texas did with his amazing review of it. Yeah, that was a hell of a sales. Guy right <laughs> yeah, there. he won the car. He won the Cadillac. Virgil, Virgil got the steak <laughs> knives. All right, so uh, so uh, uh, Bill Schur is responding to uh, just you know quoting uh, Bernie Sanders raised thirty four point five million in Q four with an average donation of eighteen dollars. <laughs> he goes. Your periodic reminder that the small donor class is disproportionately white, wealthy, college-educated, and much smaller than the overall primary electorate, to which uh, Natalie Schur responded, okay. No relation. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're right. He says, okay, now compare them to the big donor class. Bill responds, large donors are more white and wealthy than small donors, but small donors are still more white and wealthy than the overall electorate. We too easily assume that small donors are representative of the electorate, but most voters by a mile are non-donors. So another way... Yeah, because they don't have any money. Another way you could put that is that uh, Bernie Sanders donors are less white, well-educated, and wealthy than everyone else's donors. Especially Mayor Pete. Yes, especially Pete Buttigieg's. Yeah. Uh, Also, there are small beans... (laughs) <laughs> the small the small bean donor class be, be delicate with them yeah i love i just i hate being in, that bernie's in the pocket of big small donor it's well fucking yeah. makes me sick most most voters who aren't donors are are huge <laughs> they're, they're, they're large seven to eight feet large tall. No donors. <laughs> they're they're the buffaloes <laughs> they're just angry buffaloes stampeding <laughs> through the nation the last Pete Buttigieg fundraiser at the very end, the McGuire brothers burst in on their motorcycles, <laughs> trailing a fucking RV full of cash. Um, I don't know, though, but I mean, I guess we were like um, talking about this to close out the end of the year. But it has been interesting to watch, like just just really within the last couple of weeks and especially now that we're you really are in the absolute home stretch before the, the actual voting begins, the media essentially coming around to, not coming around to, but trying to find a way to talk about the now undeniable fact that Bernie Sanders is, if not the front runner, then someone with, that you cannot deny, has an extremely good chance of winning this nomination. Yeah, uh, they've been spending almost the entire, they spent the entirety of 2019 in the first stage of grief, in the denial stage. We'll see like, how fast they burn through the other Well, like one. I said, like for all, for almost all of 2019, almost all that you heard from them was either nothing at all or if they did talk about him, it was just sort of like, that's nice. Oh, oh, that's nice. You know, I mean, he he has some very passionate supporters, but, you know, he's yesterday's news or like nobody really takes seriously that he's going to, you know, go the distance. But again, like, or like after they had, he had the heart attack, they thought that was it for him. He's gone nothing but up since then. Elizabeth Warren's gone nothing but down. Well, you know, this means that we are in the third stretch because remember, First, they ignore you, then mm-hmm. they ridicule you. Now they're attacking you, and then you win. Yep. Which, by the way, Gandhi didn't say that. It was a trade union activist, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> well, I, I keep... Sorry, her- that's my vulva <laughs> thing. It's a misattributed <laughs> quote. Well, um, I mean, I keep hearing as well that um, now, now that yeah, they're in the, the fight 
him stage that like, you know, Bernie Sanders, I keep hearing that Bernie Sanders has never really been attacked before <laughs> and now he's going to. And like, you know, ooh, like, you know, we'll just, he's not ready for that. And like, which I got to say, this is Sparta, basically. <laughs> we, we will fight them in the shade. I mean, they're already talking about how unfair it is to have a dedicated army of uh, online warriors ready to shred anyone who goes against him. They're talking about how it's unfair to have an army of people who want to give money to you all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all cheating. Unfair that I get so many small donations from working class people. It's oh, really cheating to want anyone to want to vote for you. Exactly. You're supposed because you're not supposed to want to vote for them. You're supposed to sigh begrudgingly, and begrudgingly accept that you have to vote for them. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. That's how the big boys do it, and that's why they're all. That's why, thank God, they feel, they look they think this way because otherwise there might have been more like pressure against Bernie when he was more vulnerable. But they underestimated the whole time because, mm-hmm. like axiomatically in like the Democrat brain is is that the only people who believe the things that Bernie does are children and baby-brained adults like people who are not really a threat because if they were really smart they wouldn't think that yeah little because, did they know yeah. america is full of baby-brained adults <laughs> damn right we've been fucking watching nickelodeon our entire lives <laughs> we never switched to nick at night we just kept watching the nickelodeon programming um yeah so I mean, I honestly, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm interested to see what uh, some of these attacks are going to look like. You know, I mean, like like I said, he you know, he's he's in the pocket of big small donor. I think that I think that one's going to come down the pike. Uh, they're you know going to try to do all the oppo that they did try to do in 2016, and literally nobody gave a fuck about. Well, yeah, it's they're all like, tried again. It's all 80s like Cold War shit that no one even remembers. Mm-hmm. And but, also the uh, the you know. Bernie's not a Democrat thing. Which well, again, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've talked about that. Exactly. Please, please do the free advertising for like, yeah. you know, run every ad about how he's not a Democrat and never has been one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, every awful policy of the last 30 years that has made your life demonstrably worse, this guy's had nothing to do with and actively opposed. Vote Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Print out that one video of him singing working songs with the Soviet uh, dinner party yeah. Yeah. Uh, onto an IMAX screening <laughs> and play it at cineplexes around the country. It'll be a fathom event. <laughs> I also see in the, in the, in the roundup of, uh, you know, the Democrats have a real Bernie problem is uh, that, you know, Medicare for all is super unpopular. And the evidence they use for that is that Elizabeth Warren's campaign has tanked as soon as she started talking about it. Well, no, as soon as she started <laughs> Uh, hedging on it exactly that's when she fucking exactly. uh, collapsed uh it's very it's it, honestly that to me, I, I think the way they're thinking about it is is that well you know bernie just has his weird psychos who worship him but nobody everybody else hates medicare for all and so warren by trying to get on the the bandwagon there uh kind of screwed herself because mm-hmm. they, they really do believe that and the thing is is that to the degree that support for medicare all, for all does go down a lot of that is due to the Democratic Party intentionally trying to make it look bad by lying about it. Also, it's one of the issues that uh, is n- completely like non-generational. Like, it's one of these things where I think a lot of times when people try and bank off of youth votes, one, they assume that like youth is a class and it's just not, and two, like, dude, old people have to pay a lot of money for all their medications because they're old. Like, it has much more support from, like, retirees than you would think. Because even if you are, like, you know, on Medicaid or Medicare, like, 
there's still out of pocket shit, and it mm-hmm. does it does well. Oh yeah, and also I, I just noticed this uh, three days ago. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was saying uh, at an event, "I'm still with Bernie. <laughs> We're still there on Medicare for all," um, assuring uh, people on the trail that uh, quote, "I'm still with Bernie on Medicare for all." So she's trying to um, walk that one back a little bit. Again, back, walk it back forward. She mm-hmm. walked back, and now she's walking forward. Yeah. She's doing the goddamn hokey pokey, folks. Yeah. She's doing the Super Bowl shuffle. Well, <laughs> she, when you gotta, she has to walk forward and then backward. What's it? In another man's moccasins. <laughs> uh, um, and then, of course, uh, there's Biden, um, who continues to be the, the poll, overall poll leader. And I would hope, uh, like I said, in this... This home stretch, you know, what, what's the plan with Biden? And I really think the most effective thing uh, we can do, and then hopefully the Sanders campaign can do, is really, really hammer home and emphasize just how many times over his career Joe Biden has tried to cut Social Security. Yep. And he brags about it. That's the good yeah. thing. There's yeah. tons of video of him talking about how, how really committed he is to the concept. I mean, uh, he, he was basically all on board with Paul Ryan's he said plan. Paul Ryan yeah. was right about it. Paul yeah. Ryan was right about Social Security. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, he, this is, again, he thinks it's a feather in his cap. So I think it's just a matter of amplifying or particularly for, you know, those, I guess, older voters who are wary about Bernie or whatever. Um, just remind them, Joe Biden is going to come for your fucking retirement. It's worked in the past. You know, it's what helped break uh, Bush's back. And uh, way more, honestly, if you look at it, probably more than Katrina was going after Social Security. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, make that shit. Yeah, I mean, you don't really have to do it now yet, but you're going to have to do it soon. Focus on that. But focusing on his buffoonery isn't going to work. No, because... He's no. adorable. No, because that's why people oh, like him. Yes, whole, it's like, his, it makes him seem like Ralph Wiggum. Well, it, like, you his, like him. His supporters but, are all uh, old people, too. Yeah. They're doing that, too. They're, they are, they're spazzing yeah. out at dinner. It's the daughter... It's the, his, the, his daughtering base. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. they're like, look at him. It's yeah. like, well, I don't, I don't understand what, 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 what's wrong with what he's saying. Do I, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember Corn Pop. I was, I was friends <laughs> with him, too. About he that? was the scourge of the pool in the Delaware. I remember that guy. We all were, we lived in fear of Corn Pop. <laughs> like, like, the, like the Felix version of Joe Biden, like, makes me like Joe Biden. Yeah. yeah. Like the and, onion thing. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah. You know, I know, I know. And, like, however, though, uh, Felix has suggested that, um, you know, to the Sanders campaign out there, they should considering hiring Felix to do debate prep as Biden yes. or Bernie <laughs> yes. for the next yeah. one. Because, yeah. like, like, that's, you got to stay on your toes with him. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. You just have to be ready. It's like, how do you sort of Aikido whatever just like a totally unpredictable mind fart or like, yeah. yeah. Because again, because his mind is decaying, he just sort of lives in the past. He's just, you sort of regress. You only think about being, you know, times that you've had decades ago (laughs) because the present is just a total haze. And that's the thing. The second he says, come on, man. I'm like, I want to give him a break. (laughs) Uh, Am I being too much of a prick here to say that we shouldn't pass legislation to just melt the poor people into fucking beef tallow? Uh, Because he said, come on, man. Yeah. That's what I would say if I got confused. Yeah. (laughs) You go, you walk into the wrong bathroom. You know what I mean? Come on, man. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like I, you know, like I said, one month ago, before shit gets real. I mean, shit is real right yeah. now. Shit is shit real is right now. Real. Hit the ground running. We hit, we're hitting the ground running. I know, I know I've seen from uh, a lot of our listeners or, uh, that are, many of you are going to Iowa or New Hampshire. And, you know, yes, more of that, please. But I think we're at the point where there are, there's only four candidates now. Yeah. Biden, Sanders, Warren, and Pete. 
Would you any of you disagree with that? Is there mm. Like, mm. I think it's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, there's a ch- there's an outside chance someone like Klobuchar, and I mean, I guess she's one of the last people still doing this, could get like I don't know third place in Iowa, and then and, have everyone focus know, on that. Yeah. As a Maybe that's a showing. springboard to something else, and as well because we're you know a lot of people are going to drop out between Iowa and Super Tuesday pretty quickly. The you know various undecided people they're going to have to coalesce around someone. And Bloomberg's whole campaign strategy is skip all four of the early states. He did not qualify for the Nevada caucus and uh, flood the airwaves with billions of half of fucking uh, hundred million dollars so far. Probably up to a <laughs> yeah, yeah. hundred million on these fucking campaign oh ads in the Super Tuesday states. Oh, my God. Did you guys see the story about how uh, Bloomberg's thing is he says, I'm going to make the West Wing open plan. Uh, yes. And I'm yes. going to stay. He says, that is I will the never most- sit. Yeah. I will stand all the time. We're going to have an open plan White House. Yeah. Jesus fucking okay, so Christ. Usually when people, by the way, like talk about like, usually I roll my eyes at like the, the whole like coastal elite, New York, whatever, because it's like, obviously the city is full of all kinds of people. But when you see shit like that, you do have to be like, oh yeah, he has... New York brain poisoning, where he's like, we're going to make it open plan because you should be with the team. Yeah. And it's says, like, gonna... even though he's an older kind of like bajillionaire, he still has that like tech brain that has infected, yeah. infected so his brain it's already. It's pretty well known that Bloomberg is a horrible boss. He is a miserable fucking yeah, tyrant. tyrant. He's the parody of a shitty boss that you get at an entry level job who micromanages you and forces you to dress in a certain way and has all these like weird restrictions. I've been in the fucking the Bloomberg uh, uh, terminal? office building. You've been in the terminal. I've been inside the terminal. I jacked it in the terminal. It was like Tron. Virgil slid like a VR visor over his eyes and just goes, I'm, I'm in. in. <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty fucking soul crushing place in the sort of way that we talk about on this show that's, you know, a little more subtle, you yeah. know, than that it's easy to talk about. And I really kind of wonder when that big story is going to come out, knowing that he's pissed off probably thousands of employees. Well, this uh, is one of the things I think they fucked up with really bad with Trump, like the Dems did, where what did they decide? Who did they decide they were going to use to show that Trump was a bad boss? Architects. And a beauty queen. They could have used so many fucking hotel maids. The man runs yes. casinos. Yeah. And instead of choosing those women and men, I've, I worked in a hotel. I've never seen a male maid. But still, like, instead of using those people, they went for architects, pity, pity the benighted architects, and a fucking beauty queen. Did you guys see the story about how like, uh, Bloomberg has like, quietly tried to make amends or, uh, or like apologize yeah, for, for the stop the, and frisk some not not no for not yes not no well, not and frisk, but like his uh horrendous record of uh um the way he's treated uh female employees and executives at his companies all oh, right yeah. the famous quote or the woman including one woman who uh when she was she he found out she was pregnant he told her quote kill it kill it <laughs> bloomberg's an our child free poster <laughs> <laughs> Your crotch you know, He's, he's going to be walking around the open office and there's a picture of a child on someone's desk. Get rid of that crotch spawn. <laughs> you ruined the, the costumes I spent hours making. <laughs> spit up on the terminal and get their child diseases in it. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this, though. Because, you know, Bloomberg's just sort of out there, like I said, yeah, spending hundreds of millions of dollars and like yeah, i don't yeah, watch yeah. tv like so i never see these ads i but, do love that he's spending the money but people lose. apparently if you just turn on like local news like you'll see three of these ads and like a i half see a lot of styr ads i see styr ads as well but um they're chris, both chris doing... said he saw one right yeah. I, I already talked about this yeah it was um 
It was uh, Sensible Solutions. Uh, we're going to, surprisingly, big centerpiece of the ad was uh, we're going to raise taxes on the risk. And then also, I was just waiting for counting down from the moment the ad started. Clips of 9 11. Uh, what? Well, yeah, I know. Nothing. <laughs> Stealing 9 11 yeah. valor, being like, yeah, I was a mayor of New York at a totally different time. Oh, you mean Bloomberg? Yeah, Bloomberg. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, not the Steyer. I haven't seen the Steyer ad. I've seen the Steyer ads. Uh, his thing is term limits now. Term limits? <laughs> it was impeachment, and now obviously okay. that's a dead dog. Yeah. So now he's like a term limits, which honestly, I, I mean, thankfully, you know, it's a, it's a smart move in that that is a number one like dumb guy political opinion. Like if you don't really have really strong political opinions, but you're alienated by politics, you will often think, well, if they just got term limits, that would fix everything. Well, it's also like a very classic kind of anti-communist move, too, is to be like, well, we're going to delegitimize this election because term limits or, or whatever, which I would say, like, I'm sort of passively feel right kind of positively about term limits, but it's hardly the biggest measure for democracy. No, and plenty and of places have term limits for the state legislature, and they're horrible right-wing places. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, it's one of those deals where in a, in a context with a bunch of other reforms, it could work, mm-hmm. but in practice, in this system, if you just import term limits, then like the, the bureaucratic, like, deep policy state, which is all just, you know, captured by industry, is even more influential because the people yeah. are there are only there for, they don't know enough. They don't have enough time to get exactly. any kind of... Well, and it's because they're all they're all just shuffling around these people, like, yeah. behind the scenes anyway as an institution. And, like, uh, you know, like the, the, the Southern tradition where it was to be like, okay, well, yeah, we'll just tag in, like, in yeah. my wife <laughs> yeah. or whatever. They love tagging in the wives in Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rod, uh, the rod is a little deeper than who the actual representative is. Right. But um, the actual representative doesn't really matter most of the time. It's that pool of the exact same interchangeable staffers yeah. who are there to, to you know actually manage the whole thing. Um, but you know, back to my original question, I'd be interested uh, what your guys' thoughts are. Uh, so, like, so Bloomberg's out there. Bloomberg, and, yeah, Bloomberg's and, and, out and there. Despite the power of the terminal and the open office <laughs> plan, am I am I crazy just to like not fear him at all? Or just I mean, like I don't well, care. Thing, okay, so what he's doing is, yeah. is what he's doing is unprecedented. Like, yeah, that's it has it failed every other thing. time it's uh, someone's tried it. And this isn't the first time a, a very wealthy person has tried to buy the presidency. But they're usually cheaper than this. They they're don't, they're not cheaper, willing to throw sure, it out. There. But the other thing is the the efficacy of political advertising is pretty damn low. That's why so like, Tom Steyer... Yeah, of the efficacy of any advertising is... Th- that's why Tom Steyer is spending tens of millions of dollars, and he's still like 5% in the polls, even in these early states that he's targeting really hard. I say that Bloomberg is competent enough to be running a good campaign, and his what, his, what he's banking on is this, that out of the four early states... Buttigieg is just like that he's Buttigieg might win something or plays highly but maybe like he Iowa. just but he just doesn't have it is the thing mm. like he's too young and you know he's too inexperienced to do this and he has the face that people want to hit and the idea is that Biden's going to stroke out or something like that mm. and then that would leave you know Bloomberg is the final boss for whoever else makes it out you know Bernie maybe Warren if she you know catches a second win <laughs> Uh, but maybe it's like Zelda, where all the middle bosses are really hard, and then when you finally fight Ganon, it's really easy. I really think it's that's when you first the case. fight that fucking Lionel. Yeah, God damn it! Like, Jesus, why won't you die? Because Bloomberg doesn't really have a campaign pitch other than, "Hey, you don't like anyone else. I want, I want to be your default option." But he's the least likable man on earth. Yes. Like, here's the yeah. problem: the media, as we know, they do not like Bernie. 
Yeah, okay. uh, they don't really like Warren either, but they hate Bernie. Yeah. And if it really is Bernie has all this momentum going into Super Tuesday, which is what everyone's banking on, they're going to want to coalesce and push someone else up. And if everyone else is dying out there, if Biden, he's beaten and everyone, Buttigieg yeah. and Warren, whoever else, then they'll look at Bloomberg and say, oh, this guy has a lot of money. Fine. We'll go with him and pump him up. And that, that's kind of a problem because, as we all know, yeah, there's a lot of shady fucking awful shit in Bloomberg's history, which he is spending like upwards of $100 million whitewashing. Somebody actually has to do the job of reminding people, hey, this guy fucking sucks. This guy is totally out of step. The worst of all. He's the he's the perfect bipartisan candidate that he is the worst parts of both parties. In one horrifying uh, fucking Five chimera. Five passion I, package. Yeah. And if Super I, Tuesday. Yeah, I still stand by, though, my uh, pre-even Biden announcing his run prediction that he is the one to beat. Biden? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was heartened to realize that they have clearly been hiding his degradation for a while now, but I still think he's, I still think he's the biggest one the to beat. The polls certainly indicate well, that. Let's talk about that for a minute, because we started the year with Biden at around you know, who had not announced his candidacy yet at about 30% in hypothetical polling. Bernie at about 15, 20%. We've ended the year with Biden at 30%, Bernie at 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the national polling. In state-level polling, Biden is doing worse. Mm-hmm. And I had thought Biden would have fallen apart by now. And honestly, I kind of think if we were, if we had normal political rules, if we weren't fucking playing Calvin Ball now, then, yeah, Biden would have fallen apart after months of fucking inane bullshit right. from him. And the fact that his campaign is totally rudderless. Uh, the fact that every town hall, he just ends up arguing with people. <laughs> <laughs> he just get, ends up fighting other versions of himself. But that being said, I, I kind of think it's a testament to how fucking worse every other candidate is that Biden, who I still contend yeah. is the none of the above option, is still polling so high. I do think it's inflated. I do think he falls apart in the early states. I mean, I don't think... He wins in Iowa. I think he probably gets at best number three in Iowa. We'll see about that. Well, you know, the, we haven't had a lot of uh, data coming in in the past few weeks. And as well, people will start to make up their minds in like three weeks. And that's when we're going to fucking know. But that being said, I mean, I, I just think he's just he gets beat up too much in the early states. People once people actually sit down and they're like, OK, you got to pick someone because like I, I got to vote next week. Uh, they'll take a look at him and say. Uh, nah, nah, I'll go with someone else. Well, someone else is at least trying to sell me something. I mean, people, uh, like, the, the, there was an article today about, like, the resilience of uh, Biden's support, and it's a lot about how, like, yeah, he has a very big support among, as we were saying, among, like, like uh, older African Americans who privilege electability above everything because right, they feel very vulnerable, as they yeah. should. And the fact is, though, if they're voting on Super Tuesday or something and he has lost everything, then he doesn't even have that on him. Right. That's the, the thing. Argument. That's the thing. And, you know, as well, electability. I mean, there's a reason why Bernie's people are, you know, pushing every single poll that comes out that he beats Trump in a hypothetical matchup yeah. because that is the number one issue for voters. And if it's not about if it's not about, you know, actual Here. policy, if it's not about whether or not you, you know, can put your correct shoes on in the morning then yeah biden's you know he probably would win that here's the thing i think you're right that like for like the 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 people who are not brain poisoned enough to like follow or care about this shit in the way we do that that thing like that average democratic voter like yeah that just beating trump is the most important thing and if you believe that 
again, it's getting harder and harder based on the media and the people who tout that claim based on their own criteria. It's getting near impossible to say that Bernie Sanders isn't that guy, both in terms of the money and the people he appeals to. Like just recently, for instance, like in the last week of the year, uh, that guy Norm Ornstein is this like AEI guy. Who's Norm Ornstein. <laughs> he, he studies the history of Congress and he's sort of, I would guess, you know, I would say the left wing of the American yeah. Enterprise Institute, but you know he's, he's still a Republican. He was the guy who was the Republican who was willing to say the congressional Republicans as currently standard are not a normal political party. Anyway, he was touting some new study or poll that found that like a higher percentage of Bernie Sanders' primary voters uh, than we had previously we had thought actually did vote for Donald Trump in he the claimed, I think he claimed, I wasn't, about, I wasn't like too close, I think he claimed 25%, which is absolutely not the case. I'm sure that that's not true. But let's say it is true. You can't say that as a knock on Bernie and then in the same breath say that he can't be the nominee because he can't appeal to Republicans, yeah, independents, which is it? and swing yeah. voters. Yeah. Got to choose one. Which is it? They, you know, well, they, yeah, like, well, that's the thing, is that they can claim that they're arguing about electability, but all the political hack type people are actually arguing about political aesthetics and yes. the aesthetics yeah, yeah. of a candidate who appeals to people who ended up voting for Trump. So this is here's bad. the difference, though. But Hillary, as we have talked about millions of times before, Hillary Clinton ran the campaign <laughs> of trying to appeal to the affluent moderate Republicans in the suburbs. You know, that Chuck Schumer quote, I believe, I honestly, oh. if, if I had my way. That would be tattooed on the bodies of all of the leadership of the Democratic Party, like in the Kafka yeah. in the penal colony story. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Never but here's forget. Like, Wear like, your shame. How do, they, how do they actually try to do that? And then in the same breath say, oh, appealing to Trump voters, is that's, that's gross. These people because are the, the unreasonable Trump voters, because, because they're poor white people yeah, right. and not rich white people. Right. Right. That's yeah, yeah. the difference. So, I mean, it's, it's two things. Because they want to believe that anyone who voted for Bernie in the primaries is some kind of like Jill Stein, Chapo Trap House weirdy. Uh, when the reality is much more mundane than that, it's people who have been ancestrally Democratic voters, say in places like West Virginia, who are still registered Democrats, who still vote in the Democratic primaries, but have effectively been captured by the Republican Party. Yeah, and I and I wrote about this in Jacobin. If you look at what the what the jobs people have that donate to Bernie, it's nurses, it's teachers, mm-hmm. it's construction workers, it's farmers, it's not Service podcasters. We haven't players. ranked yet. Yeah, but I feel like we're getting up there. Yeah. yeah. And as well, you know, it, it, it's a misuse of data is what it is, because you could go into the exit polls and find that actually 10 percent of people who voted for Obama ended up voting for Trump. Does that mean Obama cost the election for Hillary? The answer is yes. Yes, it did. That's the exact same interpretation that you're making. But also it's a zero sum game. You one person gets to win. So, well, that's not nice, Amber. That's not that's not that's not how we do <laughs> politics true. here. All right, um, let's, All right, let's, if, let's talk Julian. If you're oh, just wait. joining us, Matt is uh, drinking leftover New Year's sam- champagne on, out of a jelly jar. <laughs> That's not true that she's lying. This is not a jelly jar. It's some sort of... It's a hot toddy glass. It's a hot toddy sure. glass. Thank you. It's a cold toddy. Ever had one? They're great. Uh, the party why can't never ends at Chapo Trap House. Why can't more humor be like cold toddy? Yeah. <laughs> Cold toddy and TikTok teens. They're, they're going to save us. Yeah, it's, it's gonna save us from uh, problematic comedy. The funny thing about that is the TikTok teens are really racist. <laughs> yes, they are. Of course they are. Have you what seen is them? funny to you when you're a teen? <laughs> they're not all like nice, pleasant cold pockets. Yeah. Um, I don't think the cold pockets people are nice or pleasant. <laughs> um, 
All right. Uh, I guess one last uh, of, uh, news uh, of note about uh, the election. Uh, blow the horn of mourning for... Uh, Don't that. Leave those in. <laughs> J- J- Julian Castro. Julian Castro. Julian Castro. Julian Castro. Is uh, dropping out of the race. Yeah, R.I.P. to a fake one. That's he right, was forced out, as people say, which I still don't fucking understand. How is he forced out? Exactly. You know, like you, no, 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 honestly, what? None of these people want to explain well, like what they mean. Yeah, no, like it's, Kamala, it's, it's she was forced out. Right, of it's the, the exact same what thing. What did they but, say that uh, you said something on an episode that I half listened to, um, where they said uh, that Bernie's plan was to evict black candidates. Yeah. Like they, that was the language someone used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Bernie, the Jewish landlord, <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Well, if you, you want to get technical camp, about he's it, he's evicting candidates of color. If you want to get a technical about it, Julian Castro was the eviction candidate. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. And yeah, that it is, was like today. Everybody, including a lot of you know uh, progressive a, types, a, lot of, a yeah. lot of progressive types. And I understand that you want to look magnanimous, especially if you're like pro Bernie and it feels like you're winning. And somebody drops out, you want to be nice. And but like people were like, he ran a great campaign and he brought up all these issues, and it's like that's terrifying. I mean, obviously we lucked out that he, you know, he didn't get anywhere. But like that, that 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 appeal still works. Like the transparent fucking lip service bullshit, the surface level tokenism of fucking Castro actually like got anybody to say a nice word about him, considering his record as a victor in chief for fucking Obama mm-hmm. during the. During the, the 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 housing crisis, the guy he was basically you know the sheriff and fucking Roger and me who has to kick everybody out of their yes. uh, house that was him but for the entire yes. fucking country yeah no I was if uh, you like your house you have to get out yeah. <laughs> no with like with with Castro like whatever he topped out at like what one percent yeah. like made it to a couple mm-hmm. debates where his highlight was saying the thing about Joe Biden that everyone knows but you're not allowed to. <laughs> Uh, he, you know, he's, he made some like he like like de Blasio tried to do like a bunch of these people they tried to op they tried to occupy the progressive lane despite nothing in their fucking like yeah. history or background showing any credibility on any of this shit. And now that he's dropped out, I've just seen so many people like reverse engineering that like, oh, you know, he was a really good guy. He brought up a lot of important issues. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, I he, can't remember yeah, any I, issue he brought up well, at all. Like, uh, I, he had some immigration, immigration stuff, but like it was all very kind of his big one. It was all very dreamer kind of stuff yeah, too. Which, his, his big one, as I recall, was during the debates, and he was not bad during the debates in the time that he got to talk. Really good like eyebrows. shitty early ones. He he looked much more polished than almost anyone. He good suits. Uh, oh, yeah, said good he suits. wanted to turn uh, uh, crossing the border illegally to a civil offense rather than a criminal offense. And that I honestly I no think that, that was that was that was good and that, that good. led yeah. the field to a degree yeah. on, on that table one. For yeah. uh, and everyone, the thing is, he was a candidate that nobody like knew or cared about him enough uh, that they would not say that they don't like him or they hate him because yeah. he was a non-entity in the whole fucking race. And, uh, and I think uh, he'll be honestly, back. Part of that was his fault. Like he just ran a bad campaign and he dropped off the map and he could not make it to the debates which i mean that's also the dnc rules which again i think are unnecessarily onerous even though the last debate was much better with you yeah, know, see it's funny there. like if, I, if bernie wasn't where he is i would probably say yeah like get them all up there but with bernie up there it's like no fuck yeah that. right I but also like winning. just if the only thing i can remember about your run is moderate immigration reform that's that's not His incredibly inspiring that's all I remember. So the take is he was forced out of the race which, race, which again is baffling me because one, nobody put a fucking gun to his head and said, you're dropping out. 
We don't want, know that. You ever want Bernie to see did bodies and spaces on Julian <laughs> Castro. <and laughs> That's had to the implication <laughs> is that there's some white racism conspiracy to keep the, the only Latino candidate uh, to kick him out Let's of the field. Let's stop people of minority persuasion who uh, were inspired by him from saying they would vote for him in polls. Right, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, honestly, look at yourself. You didn't fucking support him. You didn't give him money. It's your fucking fault. Not mine. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah. I don't support the guy because I don't support the guy. Well, that's because a lot of them have this weird, and it's because they don't care who it is as long as it isn't Bernie. They have this weird, like, uh, you know, participation trophy mentality. Where yes. Like, well, all, we should support all of the candidates. Well, what it, what it really <laughs> is, what, Bernie, what, what, what it really is, is it's again, it's what we all well as well as been talk, talking have been talking about on this show, which is the 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 sapping of all politics from politics, yeah. mm-hmm. and that these people they look at candidates like paint swatches. Yeah. I think. Uh, you know, like they're filling fucking Barbie's dream house with, okay, I get a black candidate and a Latino yeah. candidate. It's an extemporaneous discussion. It's like, as much as they shit on millennials for being like the fucking, you know, participation trophy, whatever, what they are literally trying to do is paint politics as not what it is, a zero sum game. And like some kind of collaborative, like, you know, oh, but you got a giraffe and spelling kind of Montessori bullshit. <laughs> and they also view it. Kids in Montessori school is getting animals that's, that's, instead of grades. Yeah. That's, an, that's an arrested development. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The other you one, got it. The other, yeah. I got it. The other one is uh, claiming that this is because the early states are too white. Which, I mean, look, we, it's a stupid fucking process. Everyone agrees with that. It's but uh, so, he was also pulling yeah. at 0% his home state of Texas. Yeah. He's pulling at <laughs> yeah. nothing in Nevada where majority yeah, people yeah. are going to caucus are Latino yeah. like no, him. No, and the, so what you're saying is bullshit. And, well, and the same argument was made when Kamala dropped out that about, uh, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, privilege uh, white voters, which is true. But they also said that, like, you know, yeah, she was she was kicked out of the race or forced out by unfair, blah, blah, blah. She was polling under Andrew Yang in In her her home home state state of California after the entire state Democratic Party endorsed her the minute she got in the race. Also, by the way, and like I said to Amber, uh, that's not nice for a candidate that your candidate candidate is trying to beat to drop out. Yeah. Like, what do you want? You want them to all be friends? Well, see, that's the thing. Until the fucking end of the primary? That's a very Carl Diggler thing. Everyone gets an equal amount of delegates. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? The only, like, if you read the way that people responded to the Kamala and now the Castro dropping out, None of it scans if you're looking at it through a political lens of this is a zero-sum game, this is a primary, this is a contest. But it all makes perfect sense if you imagine that they're talking about a TV show or a movie that yes. they watch. And as well, it's all about elevating voices. Because it's like hashtag... Uh, uh, elevating who- voices for 2020, no doing bodies and spaces. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hashtag Julian deserve better. You know, like, T- like Rose Tico from the fucking Star Wars. She wasn't in the movie enough. Julian's not in the campaign enough. No, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, happened frankly, to him. And, and, uh, Release the JJ cut yeah. of the 2020 well, election. Nothing happened to him. But, he deserved better. He didn't get, like, fucking chucked in a shallow grave. He just doesn't get to be president. But yeah. see, that's part of it, is that, like, it doesn't make sense when you, when you take consideration what we're saying, is that they're making choices based on the fact that nobody's supporting them in polls, nobody's giving them uh, things. They're making a decision because their campaigns aren't viable. But if you imagine it, like you're watching a movie and there's someone writing it or there's someone directing it, then the choice for him to drop out is racist. To be fair, that is how liberals think. That is true. I think think they should bring back Castro after Super Tuesday, but bring him back like they did Carrie Fisher in Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) So they'd be like, oh my God, Julian Castro. Like, you know, like (laughs) our numbers are down. Like, what can we do to like save ourselves? (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> oh. You're saying we should do the other thing. No. I think they, <laughs> and, then like a, and then he just like clips, and then it's just like Julian Castro died. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there could be a big medley with like a Tupac from... hologram. Yeah. Now here's what here's what they actually should do. In the uh, the uh, first of, the last debate before Super Tuesday, they bring out all the candidates who've dropped out to moderate. I, uh, actually, I like that. That's very that's very uh, uh, Andy Cohen of you. That's very reality. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 that is. But here's the, here's the last thing I want to say about Julian Castro and like the idea that representation matters in the primaries. Uh, none of the people saying that actually would give a shit if Andrew Yang dropped out. No, 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 no. They don't. none of them give the idea of like an Asian American candidate who raised fifteen million dollars, way more than anyone thought this guy with no political experience would have come That's to. That's the power of childish Gambino. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for our first reading series of this new year, we return to an old favorite, old, an old friend, the 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 ogre of the Upper West Side, <laughs> Ooh. The, the Mister Creosote of Lexington Avenue. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm speaking, of course, about, yes, treat tyrant John Podhor. <laughs> oh, God, it's been so long. Just, just, just eating, I want my eating, <laughs> eating the candy-coated bones of children under a bridge in Riverside Park. And complaining that the bones took too long to get there. This is John Podhoritz, uh, who is, uh, right before the year ended, uh, penned this for the New York Post opinion section, why I quit Twitter and you should too. Hang on. Hang on. When, what's the, the date on this? December 26, 2019. By the way, I would just like to say one thing. As someone who quit Twitter a few years ago, quitting Twitter is 100% healthy. It helps your attention span. After like two weeks, I could read uh, the whole paper. After a month, I could read like complicated nonfiction books. After three months, I could read, I read Moby Dick. I read very complicated like big long novels. It's really good for your attention span, and also you don't get distracted by bullshit. Okay. But if you, there you, go. there you go, it really does. There's something about scrolling that fucks with your brain. But anyone who writes about quitting Twitter, oh. fucking loser. Yeah. Amber Frost and the beer nerd, the only people who have successfully. <laughs> We're the quit only Twitter. ones. We're the most powerful creatures. But this fucker, uh, I but- swear to God, Will, this fucker has written this exact article five times. I swear to God, we've done this before. You we are it, in a fucking you know LSD thought is, loop though, right yes, now. Yes, they always do that because it's always a, you know what, this time it's for real. I'm leaving his ass. Like, it's that thing. See, this fucking, like, 55-year-old man from the Upper West Side is like a fucking teenage girl hysteric. If you mean it, you leave. That's it. Well, yeah, I'm like, yeah, quitting Twitter, I'm sure, is good for your attention span and mental health. Just like, you know, quitting alcohol or drugs would be good for your overall health as but well. No but no one likes a sober also, guy. Also, yeah, if you do that, good for you. Don't fucking, uh, don't, don't, don't brag about it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't harsh bother other people. Buzz. Exactly. You still like uh, getting fucked up. Amber and the beer nerd don't go around all the time saying, oh, you're on Twitter. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, I right. just know that when I quit, I just, you know, I just became a different person. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just easier to read books now. Okay, so this is John Podhoritz, Why I Quit Twitter, and You Should Too. I hope it links to all the other fucking <laughs> articles he wrote about this. Okay, so, I haven't posted a tweet in nine months. <laughs> no one noticed. Uh, did you give birth no to a fucking No one noticed, so baby? I had to and write that, this. And it was a death threat to the Carnegie Deli. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... I haven't posted a thing in nine months. How am I doing? I'm still in recovery. 
over the previous 10 years, I had written 180,000 tweets. Good God. <laughs> yes, I said 180,000. That's 18,000 a year, 1,500 $1, a month. Like I said, uh, probably wow. a third of those just haranguing yes. delivery wow. Grubhub yeah. and delivery Seamless people. delivery people. Um, I was putting out an average of 50 tweets a day while holding down a full-time job editing a magazine with two firm writing deadlines every week and raising three children with a wife who works full-time. Full well, raising. Okay. <laughs> also, if, you're if you're tweeting that much, you are an absentee father. Well, also... It proves that um, his job, in quotation marks, is absolute make-work bullshit. Yeah. Oh, you have two firm writing deadlines a week. What, to just fart out another column about how yeah. you know, angry you are at, uh, I don't know, Barnard students or, your, you know, like I said, uh, the, the candy shop who told you to stop pressing your face up against the window? <laughs> You're paying for the Windex. Yeah. How is that even possible? Well, I've always written fast. And badly, too. So, um, uh, <laughs> And for much of my life, I've felt like a frustrated, would-be stand-up comic. Oh. Wow, what a shock. Oh. He has all of the energy and rage of a stand-up yeah. comic, yeah. but none of the talent. Yeah. Well, also, like, frustrated, would-be stand-up comic is... The Joker. The most, yeah. <laughs> You're the Joker. Yeah. He's the big Joker. A tweet, he goes, a tweet is basically a one-liner. So if you're a compulsive quipster who never quite got up the Ugh. nerve to stand in front of a brick wall doing bits, Ugh. it's the I'd like to put him in front of a brick wall. <laughs> Parody! In the game! Parody. In the game! In the game! In the game! A compulsive... Virgil, would you, would you consider yourself something of a compulsive quipster? A, li a little bit. I've been known to deliver some bon mots. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is the the you're the fluent in snark. Thing. Yeah, yes. that is, yeah. Dorothy so, uh, Snarker is going um, to be his. Who never quite got up the nerve to stand in front of a brick wall doing bits. Oh. It's the outlet you always dreamed of. Yeah. For every antisocial lunatic who didn't have the, like, the balls or social skills required to perform uh, in public... Yes, it, it is actually the dream medium for every one of your thoughts. Well, so they sat seething quietly yeah. on the internet, eating candy. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these right wing bondits are actually failed stand-ups. Yes. And Not, like, especially of the, the young generation. Especially of the young ones. But yeah, I guess a guy like Podhoritz, because that's the esteem that they want. Yeah, well, okay, we say right wing, but with the millennials, <laughs> there's some, uh, sure, there's some, some failed... Rose emoji stand ups there too. Yeah, oh, but yeah. I mean, it's like very specifically though, like of like the younger generation, like half of the people who are now like conservative entertainers or whatever went to Hollywood and then tried to be like an actor or comedian for like three months and then were like, they weren't it immediately didn't, it didn't rewarded. Worry, they weren't immediately <laughs> successful. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry uh, Phyllis is being cute. Well, they're oh. also not, you know, they're also not talented remotely, but yeah. they found an audience by triggering exactly. the lives. So, um, uh, Twitter worked well for me in many ways. Over the course of this decade, my follower count rose from near zero to 141,000 people. The tweets helped garner an audience for my writing and for articles and commentary, the oh. magazine I edit. I developed surprisingly meaningful relationships with writers I long respected. No, you who had never met. You have no meaningful you. relationship in your life. Okay, your your, your you. wife <laughs> doesn't know your middle name. You have no meaningful relationships. Like, again, meaningful relationships. He's like you know. Uh, Talking to the uh, the young woman who like you know is the head of I don't know the I don't know 
an Ivy League You're so small. organization <laughs> and just saying, like, yeah, go to bed. <laughs> you know. Tell, telling a guy that his 15-year-old daughter looks fully adult. Yeah. The classic relationship we all love to have. I developed... Okay, um, I found young authors who featured their work through okay. Twitter. There oh, we go. Oh, there okay. We go. No cap. Yeah, featured their own work through Twitter links and became valuable contributors to commentary. <sighs> and it was a burnisher of Is my... Is that grooming? He's just describing yeah. grooming. <laughs> it is yet a neoconservative version of that. And it was a burnisher of my ego. Oof. <sighs> As if it could possibly yeah, be how could it polished get any more brightly. I heard from people on an almost daily basis that they loved my feed. <laughs> and by, by that, again, he's talking about the food he orders. <laughs> John, John, we love watching you eat. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, he developed an audience of feeders <laughs> who just loved stuffing my dumb fucking face with snippers. They're like, I used to subscribe to this YouTube channel of Korean girls that would just eat noodles, but then I found this fucking guy on Twitter. He's a freak. John, I love that trough you posted on Instagram. Instagram. You know, John, most people would have stopped at the four bergs, but the fifth berg is what makes you a genius. People would ask me privately to tweet out their links because my follower count was so high. Oh, this is Christ. so embarrassing. Oh, Brutal. God. Oh, my God. Oh, but no, he's building up what he had to walk oh, yeah, away from. Up, yeah. <laughs> like I had to walk away from all of this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, getting 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 unsolicited DMs from fucking people who work for the Hoover Institute yeah. being like, John, can I write for commentary, please? Yeah. Would you big up my article in the the Manhattan Institute website? And it's a writer's medium. And the 140... It's a writer's yeah. medium. The 140-character restriction, now 280, requires skill to master. Oh, Mastering the best any- tweeters are like Jovan and like... I mean, no, I'm sorry, no. It's its own medium. Mastering any skill is a pleasurable achievement. And master Twitter, I did. <laughs> I feel I mean, gross. I feel like this again, is like, I feel really like gross. This is horrifying. <laughs> this is I one of the gross. grossest ones we've done. I mean, like this, the, the level of self-delusion. The only, like Pabert, so he posted what? He posted over 100,000 tweets, right? And the only time he ever got any kind of uh, burn outside of whatever fucking, you know, uh, psycho, uh, uh, you know, right wing. Insular. Th- yeah, they're they're uh, weird. Boiler, boiler yeah. room was when he was like screaming at fucking service staff. To get someone to fill his fat fucking face, or uh, doing insanely creepy shit to chicks. He's wistfully reminiscing about Twitter after having left it for nine months. What have you been doing with your time? <laughs> Clearly nothing. He's been writing well, tweets he has in his a notebook. Fucking fake job, his fucking sinecure, his what? His dad's magazine. Yes. Yes. Oh, who also just died. Oh, 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 no. oh, oh um, still fifty a day. That's crazy, and a sign of how crazy Twitter can make a certain kind of person. The only substance besides caloric food to which I have ever been addicted is tobacco. Oh, well, at least he admits it. And I quit smoking 33 years ago. But I think it's fair to say that over the past decade, in my 50s, I developed a Twitter addiction. When I tweeted with my enormous emotions... start smoking again. <laughs> yeah. When I tweeted with my emotions... Yeah, why not? I mean, how many years you got left anyway, buddy? When I tweeted with my emotions engaged... I mean, he's speaking about when he saw a Twitter video of a Palestinian kicking a soccer ball 
and then his emotions engaged. <laughs> Especially when I responded to something out of anger, I could feel the dopamine rush. Like I said, he saw, he saw a Palestinian kid flying a kite or something. Yeah. Um, the tweet would resolve the emotion and bring me momentary and blessed relief. So too did the Twitter fights, which are seductive for a combative person and confident not only in his own views, but in his quick-wittedness. Are you reading this to make us all be ashamed to be on Twitter? Because this is making me want to delete it right now. I'll be honest. This, th- I've never lectured anyone on quitting Twitter, but I feel like this is your scared straight right now. <laughs> I, I honestly... But wait a minute. But he's saying that even if I quit nine months after this, I'll be wistfully rhapsodizing about my time on Twitter. Uh... Yeah, you might as well just go he straight He used to, to be about wall. that life. It's like me, Matt, and Virgil are like, you know, like lined up against the bars of a cell. They, they bring Podhorans out of Twitter jail. They're like, <laughs> he's got a do You ever toss a man's salad bar? <laughs> it's disgusting. He's never eaten salad in his life. Except when he would say that, he's literally talking about ordering from Chopped. Right. <laughs> Is that your fave star cup? Give it to me. It's mine now. <laughs> like, I'll make you sit down to pee like I do because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> along with the highs and lows he goes along with the highs came the lows i i, I once said i have friends who struggled with heroin addiction i don't know they talk about it in far less serious terms that they're just like yeah i was addicted to heroin it's bad i had to stop doing heroin he writes this shit oh yeah I mean, like the this, highs, oh. uh, g- g- getting getting the highs, getting Darth to make me a custom Abby, <laughs> the lows, um, getting banned when I sent a pic of a gun to Jomney's son. This is some sub kid stays in the picture, right? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. highs, they were highs, but the lows, oh, they were low. <laughs> Was I, good I got tw- ratioed so hard. <laughs> Was I good at Twitter? You betcha. Did it take away from my beloved commentary magazine? Oh, yes. <laughs> And also, keep in mind, he began this article by saying it was really good for someone like me, who's a very good writer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he goes, okay, along with the highs came the lows. I once said, shut up and sing in response to a tweet by a celebrated entertainer of color who said something I didn't like about the, legend. about the war between Israel and Gaza. His wife then accused me of being a racist. And, and suddenly I had thousands of people raging at me. Yeah. Again, the times, his lows are actually the times when I've agreed with yeah. him, where it's just like, uh, John Legend does suck, yeah. and Columbia Journalism School should be blown up. It's true. Parody. Yeah. <laughs> In the game. Also, they still publish me sometimes and give me money. So. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Columbia Journalism School. Uh, yeah. No um, clean hands uh, also, in a dirty world, baby. Also, by the way, a commentary magazine. I, I, you know, occasionally they'll publish my work, you know, <laughs> but they'll pay me even if I don't. It was you NYU. Know, get published there. NYU Journal. Oh, right. Okay. In the clear. In the clear. Again, NYU because Journalism because they School. Yes. These two awful. Although I did work for NYU them. for a oh, while. No. Oh, okay. oh no. Oh here. The web it goes everywhere. A, Community college girl done good. The very fact that I tweeted those words offers a sense of what Twitter can do to compulsive users. It was a childish and obnoxious repost. And I'm ashamed to say it was something I wrote when I was 53 years old. And the thing is, it took me 10 seconds to tweet it. That was 30 years ago. And days to live it down. He's still reliving. Again, he's still reliving posting scraps from a year ago. You know why? It's because it's literally the only thing anyone knows or cares about him whatsoever. I can't remember a post that I made two hours ago. That's the only way 
to do Twitter is yeah. to just be like, this is disposable goodbye. No, it's it's what the Brunings do, which is the uh, it deletes, auto-deletes after a yeah. month or a week or whatever. Because this, that like, is how humans are supposed to communicate. You say something and then it doesn't exist anymore. You don't carve something on um, a stone no. stablet, tablet the, forever. No, the Brunings are doing that to escape accountability. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, and that's the thing about Twitter. I still can't quite believe this. 50 tweets a day don't really matter. It's the 3,401st tweet, the one that goes viral that comes to define you. And its virality is usually not something that makes you proud. Uh, if you suck, yeah. you're good at yeah. posting. You can have a good viral post. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, by the way, was the first person that made uh, the gif of Bernie dabbing but right after the thing. I was very proud of that. I know what I know what John's talking about. I made a post that went viral, and you know it was this really good joke that I did, you know, about a mouse and uh, sort of I'm, music that the mouse would listen to. <laughs> it, honestly, it. It, it 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 changed my life. You know, some ways for the better, but in other ways for the worse. This is literally insane, though. Like, yeah. just it's. I, I'm sorry, I'm having so much trouble with comparing this to someone who was like. Yeah, Thanksgiving, I had to go shoot up in the bathroom and hope my mom didn't notice. And he's treating it with the same fucking gravity. So he goes here, I decided he to... got owned him. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the same thing as, like, overdosing five times at Disney World. I decided to quit. I mean, to be fair, he probably got in trouble at Disney World, too. Yeah. You call this $20 for a Chiro? <laughs> I decided to quit Twitter this year after tweeting a joke about neutron bombing a journalism school. <laughs> like I said, uh, yeah, his joke about neutron bombing NYU journalism school versus his career of very serious articles advocating for neutron bombing the Middle East, yeah. Gaza, Iraq, and Iran. Yeah. It he turned really out, thought it was in the wrong part. It turned out only people my age or older got the reference to a 35-year-old controversy that itself gave birth to thousands of mordant jokes at the time. Because, see... The neutron bomb was designed to kill people but leave buildings standing. That's How not, does that, that make doesn't it make the joke yeah. better. How does that make it better? No, 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 no. You, Matt, you don't understand. He just wanted to kill the people. <laughs> I was accused of advocating mass murder. And again, that's what Commentary Magazine yeah. does. <laughs> Once again, something I did as part of a compulsive behavior pattern, time between thought and tweet, 30 seconds, ended up as a ludicrous controversy that made me sorry I'd ever begun tweeting. So I decided to stop. Full stop. Nine months later, I still read Twitter. Its utility as a news source. Then you is, haven't quit. Yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah, quit. Yeah, yeah. You're just not shooting up into your he's, dick. You're still smoking it. <laughs> he's lurking. No, it, it's better if you smoke it because you won't get addicted. Everyone yeah. knows that. You just won't get addicted. You just smoke it. It's fine. Its utility as a news source is unparalleled, but I don't participate in it at all. And yes. You do participate in it. That's the whole thing. And yes, I miss it. I miss presenting my work to readers. I miss presenting oh, my magazine's work to oh, readers. Fuck. Commentary Magazine that. has 10 fucking <laughs> readers, and they're all on the Upper West Side. I and miss that sweet yeah. China White every day. <laughs> I miss getting off the one-liners that amuse me and seem to amuse others. Jesus Christ. First of all, it doesn't count as a one-liner if that's you can only fit one line in. <laughs> okay. If I could find a way to participate simply by tweeting out articles and gnomish would-be witticisms, I would. <laughs> but I can't see how I would be able to avoid sinking back into the mire. There's a reason Twitter has defined this decade's communications. It's the most interactive medium the world has ever known, and it's great fun. But Twitter has an oversoul now, and the oversoul is poisonous. 
It rewards bad rhetorical behavior. It privileges outrage of any sort over reason of all sorts. And it encourages us to misunderstand each other. It's the devil on our shoulder. Or at least, it was the devil on mine. P.S. Everyone who illegally does opioids should be in jail for 30 30 years. Honestly, Amber's right. That was like the faces of meth PSA ads for like me... Felix, That's Felix Matt, and Virgil. Yeah. All, that told, all that told me is John Podoritz is so weak-willed and weak-brained that we should have done something like in the second Revenge of the Nerds movie where they adopt Ogre and turn him into a nerd. <laughs> like we could, have, we could have gotten him to be... You know, a, a left-wing communist radical because he's, you know, that's where he's getting the hits from is posting. Yeah, where you get more his posts, he's going to go towards them. Counteroffer, can we put him on My Strange Addiction? <laughs> because I would watch that episode. Well, I mean, he could be he's double he's, feature My Strange Addiction I'm and My Six Hundred Pound Life. He's less weird, or, or no, he's more weird than the woman who just ate her couch. <laughs> he's, so, he's less, rep- I mean, more repellent in every. Oh, totally. Way. That woman, you're like, oh, you have problems. Yeah. I'm sorry. With him, you're just like, fuck off. I'm surprised they haven't done a My Strange Addiction episode about uh, being addicted to Twitter. They couldn't. Yeah, there would be too many. It's people too dark. Yeah, too many yeah, it's, it's too, too dark. dark. Yeah. It's uh, too dark. Yeah. I know you know you say that about it being a wake up call or whatever, and uh, it, it was uh, it was terrifying to hear this guy to describe his Twitter addiction. But I'm different though. It's yeah. not anyone but you. I'm just yeah. different. You do it right. You no. part. You just party with it, yeah. dude. I'm yeah. I'm good at it. Yeah. I'm good at it. John sucked at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only people who like him, simp's, losers, <laughs> psychopaths. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll be honest. As I mean, much same as with I me, say, but... as much as I say, uh, I'm not a fan of Twitter. I also have a friend. Uh, who does meth twice a year just for uh, spring and winter cleaning. <laughs> and you know what? I, I, she manages it. She's never once lapsed, I gotta say. For well, some it's, people, it's, it's a, fine. It's a work drug. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we wrap it up for uh, this yeah. episode? I got one plug. Delete, let's, do some, let's do some plugs. Delete the Twitter app off of my phone. Oh. Yes. Oh, oh my God! She wants, she wants to be a podcast. Oh. Phyllis is, is pawing, reaching up to paw Amber's mic. Oh my God! Because so adorable. I'm not paying attention. Oh my God! She wants to be a podcaster. Yeah, there was the party, and there were so many people here, so she was so excited, and now she she wants the attention again. Anyway, so there is a link that we will we will provide for a GoFundMe. Help Bernie volunteers get to Iowa. Pitch in to help volunteers from NYC and Philadelphia travel to Iowa. Canvas for Bernie ahead of the caucus on February 3rd. This is really essential work because we have an incredibly draconian election system and actually the Iowa caucuses matter a whole lot. Um, All donations will go toward travel and room and board expenses for canvassers. Your donation will help some of the most committed Bernie volunteers have the biggest possible impact. Together, we can win Iowa and beyond. That is, I mean, I know like, you know, I hope you guys have all been, you know, tithing to uh, to, to Bernard. I know I have. Uh, even if you're in danger of, like, you know, maxing out. I maxed out. Max out again on this. Yeah. This is, I honestly, like, even probably ten times more it's bang for really your buck. It's really important. I mean, please keep donating to Bernie Sanders. But, like, this is you need really, people. really We don't big. like it, but Iowa New Hampshire matter for This times. is a big, big, like, once every four years. Big return yes. on whatever amount of money you can donate to this. I'm going to blow... A lot, big wad on that. 
And again, he's I gonna, just, he's gonna he's gonna throw ropes. On I, this. I'm just Peter <laughs> North style ropes are going in <laughs> to this fund as soon as I get off. This uh, is the time. This mic. Give to that fund and also download the Bernie Sanders app. Uh, play good app. the Bernie Sanders, you know, uh, mini games, dating and, game, <laughs> dating RPG, and make phone calls for Bernie Sanders. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. You yeah. can say whatever you want. I well, use the Bernie dialer. It's great. You can, yeah, don't say whatever. Uh, yeah, don't say it's whatever. Great. I'm in the epic Chapo Trap House listener. You, uh, like there's, you. there's all kinds of support in the Bernie Slack for if you have any questions. It's incredibly easy. You can do it in your pajamas. You can have little parties, little little phone making parties. It's great. Um, but yeah, like I, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, nothing uh, makes me happier or hopeful than hearing from uh, Chapo listeners who are basically, you know going on the crusade to Iowa or New Hampshire are, are warriors. The Knights of Bernard. Our warriors being sent into battle. We need you. And this is, this is, this is the fight. And uh, I got to say, if you're doing that, uh, respect and love forever. But we've got more plugs. We also do come to our plug. shows. And more shows. And more drugs. We will join you in Iowa to help Bernie win and also do a live show. On February 1st at the Englert Civic Theater in Iowa City, Iowa. Then we will be in New Hampshire, Derry, New Hampshire, Tupelo Music Hall, February 9th. And then Las Vegas, Nevada, House of Blues, February 18th. More show dates will be added as the primaries continue. Buy tickets at chapotraphouse.com slash tour. There we go. Yep. Also, if you are in Iowa, uh, there will be, uh, we're going to be canvassing and there's going to be like a special party thing for people who canvassed and the rest of you bitches can just buy the tickets. <laughs> yes, we will have full details on that soon. Yep. All right. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy, Bye. New, year. Happy, Happy new, new Year. Happy New Year.